Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired their personal trainer as a caterer. All right, folks, let's keep this line moving. You there with the tongs. Picking up one Dutch's potato at a time will not cut it at my catering table. Drop and give me 50. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Okay, this is what we call the wild mushroom and asparagus dip, dip, and press. Come on, let's get those plates above your heads. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. And we're back. Well, tax season's here, folks, and you know. Hi there. Whoa, where'd you come from? April here to tell you about the tax filing software from TaxAct. Seriously, were you, like, hiding behind my desk? Seriously, TaxAct makes it easy to get your maximum refund. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Switch to TaxAct today, and you can start for free. Or as we say at Radioland. Subtle. Tax Act. File for less and get more. See TaxAct.com for details. Welcome into the Browns Wire podcast with me, Travis Rogers, and Josh Keatley. Josh, rough weekend, man. How'd you feel about it? Well, uh, you know, there's not really a whole lot of positive to say. Not only did the Browns not beat the spread yet again, they got smashed by the Patriots in wet, sloppy weather. And, man, that might be the first time in history where a team had three turnovers on three straight snaps. Yeah, that's pretty depressing. I, I really want to get past the times where the Browns decide to make a mockery of themselves and create a new meme-worthy uh, situation. I mean, three turnovers on three straight plays. God help me, man. Now listen to this. Okay, so we both talked about how neither one of us expected them to win, right? Uh, we both talked about kind of – we kind of were both on the same page. that We didn't really expect them to even beat the 13-point spread, Right. Right. Now, we kind of got our hopes up a little bit because the spread was moving down. Uh, I believe on Sunday, the spread moved all the way down to the uh, Patriots only favored by 10 points. So we were thinking, oh, wow, a lot of people that are smarter than us think that the Browns can hang. So we got a little bit of our hopes up there. But honestly, even though it was embarrassing, the three three turnovers were embarrassing. Do you know what the total yards were for each team? Oh, I'm sure it was very much in our favor. It wasn't very much in, in our favor, but I, I will say it was much closer than I anticipated. If you just look at the score 27 to 13, I would never guess that the Browns had thir- 310 total yards and the Patriots only had 318 total yards. So I do think that there is some comfort in that. I do think that there is some comfort in knowing that, hey, they did do some things right. Chubb looked really good. Uh, Odo Beckham had some, had five receptions. Jarvis Landry had five receptions. Uh, Baker, I know he still had an interception, but you know he looked like he was more under control. Uh, Justin McCray, I don't think he was. Uh, he's definitely not a definitive upgrade from Greg Robinson, uh, but he didn't get blown off the ball nearly as much as a lot of people expect. Uh, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah, so uh, I guess that does surprise me. I, I thought we actually beat him in yards, but I guess we only uh, we only lost to him by eight in terms of the total yards. But I, I think know, that's a huge positive. I really yeah, do. Yeah, you really think about it. I mean, look at the three turnovers. I mean, one was a scoop and score, and one was a sure touchdown for us just taken away instantly. I mean, that's a 14-point swing. So really the the Browns didn't get blown out as much as the score, you know, looks. I mean, if Nick Chubb scores that touchdown and if Nick Chubb doesn't get, you know, roundhoused by Joe but Joe Albatonio, we may be talking about a very, very different game because Chubb ran well and the Patriots were not stopping him. But they got so far behind the eight ball that they had to start passing. So it, it's the same situation that we run into almost every week with the Browns. This team cannot play for behind. I mean, they just they cannot make a comeback. Yeah, and but again, let's let's. 
I'll go ahead and talk about the negatives first. Yeah, they got blown out. They were they were terrible. You can't turn the ball over three times. You can't have the amount of penalties they had. Freddie Kitchens can't throw challenges for no reason. That is so frustrating. And that fourth and eleven debacle that turned into a fourth and sixteen. I don't even know what that was, dude. That was like a that was like a terrible movie type scenario. So they went out there for fourth and eleven. They were going to punt the ball. They got a, a, an offsides or false start penalty, and then they decided all of a sudden, hey, we're let's go for it. Let's let's do a fourth and sixteen. Suppose then Freddie Kitchens. I think he's lying about it, by the way. Comes to the press conference and says, yeah, I planned it that way to give us some better opportunity to lay out our plan of action. Dude, no. That is not what happened. I, I, I don't really know what happened, but neither scenario is, makes him look good. No, it it really doesn't. I mean, I, I think I was almost resigned to my fate that I've like almost blocked it entirely out of my mind. I, I completely forgot about the horrible challenges. I completely forgot about yeah. that horrible false start, uh, just all the stupid coaching decisions. I completely blocked it out of my mind just because I wanted to be over this week and get on to the next one, but... Uh, thanks for bringing that back up for me. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no problem. And, and I know that I talked a little bit about the positives, uh, and I, I still want to reflect on those. But the game, another reason why this game is super frustrating is because it got out of hand so quickly. Do you know how many turno- Do you know how many first downs the Browns had in the first quarter? Uh, I, I guess as to zero. Bingo, dude! A big old goose egg. They couldn't move the ball in the first quarter, which is both. It shows that they really obviously made some improvements to move on throughout the game. Usually we've been seeing them look worse throughout the game. They kind of have been starting out hot lately. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. But you're never, you, you have to be able to move the ball. You have to, you have to be able to move the ball. Uh, that, that's just part of the reason why it was so frustrating is that they just got smashed immediately immediately what kills me i mean on the first drive you know it's raining out and i understand that you want to show the patriots like hey we're not just going to run the ball all game but you start out with three straight pass plays and it's just like why (laughs) why just give the ball to your bell cow and let them do work i mean good lord it just kills me because every If, if the Browns win this game, we're not talking about any of these problems. That's the main thing. I mean, yeah, sure, we could talk a little bit about, you know, some of the things they need to work on. But, I mean, just everything gets magnified when you lose. And especially when you feel like, I mean, like you said, the Browns, they, they kept pace with the Patriots on yards. And they just, if they just cut the stupid mistakes and the stupid coaching errors, they may win that game. Now, see, and I, I disagree with that. I don't think that they're win this game. I don't. I think that the Patriots had their number. I think that Bill Belichick is a god, okay? And I, honestly, I, it's funny because my father actually reached out to me and reminded me that Bill Belichick is such a god that he took the Browns to the playoffs with Vinny Testaverde. He won a playoff game with Vinny Testaverde for the Cleveland Browns, okay? That's how much of a god he is. I don't think there was any way that the Browns were going to win this game. And I took the Patriots giving 13 points. So it would be unreasonable for me to sit here and say that I am upset because they lost. I am not upset because they lost. I'm upset because they got blown out and they looked sloppy. That's why I'm upset. So I do want to make that expectation clear that I, I don't want to, I don't want to set unreasonable expectations, right? This is a Super Bowl caliber team that they lost to. This, these are, this is a, as crisp as a team as they're going to see. So I am not upset that they lost. I am upset in the fashion in which they lost. I guess something I, I do want to bring up too, since you've kind of just talking about you know the fashion in which they lost a, a little bit after the game. I don't know. This is gonna go down the road of like typical media overreaction and fan overreaction. I think. But um, did you catch OBJ's comments, Odell Beckham Jr.? Did you catch o- OBJ's comments um, after the game and how he felt in terms of his targets? Well, he says so much. Could you fill me in specifically on which 
comment you're talking about there was a lot going on baker had some stuff going on freddie had some stuff going on so he uh he said in, in uh press conference after the game that you know he felt how he felt that he was doing good work against the uh patriots secondary i think it was stephen gilmore um if, yes if that's correct he was doing good work against him and you know he wants to eat and he feels like he was doing good enough work that he deserves more targets sort of and it, it wasn't specifically that i don't want to turn this into you know a, this is exactly what he said. I'm paraphrasing here, and that's not exactly what he said. But he's right. he's making it out to be like, you know, hey, throw me the ball. I'm gonna help. I, if you throw me the ball, I'll help you out. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on just kind of that ideology coming from OBJ. Well, this isn't the first time he's said something, so it shouldn't shock anybody. Uh, I, I think they focus on OBJ quite often. Uh, you know, he got seven targets and caught five of those. I think Freddie Kitchens even reiterated the same point. I don't know how much more he wants. Uh, I don't think that he beat Gilmore like a drum because. Because he didn't. Gilmore probably got the better end of him, to be quite honest with you, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, I will say that OBJ needs to not... He is not going to be satisfied if he keeps focusing on the box, on his box score statistics, okay? And I get his frustration because they are losing. But a big reason why Chubb is having the success that he is is because of OBJ, quite honestly. A defense, uh, Nick Chubb is really the only thing that's been going smoothly for this offense. Well, Defenses haven't really been pounding the box or loading the box against Chubb because OBJ is out there, because Jarvis Landry is out there. So those running lanes are staying open despite Chubb consistently hitting them. So I, you know, I think that if he looks at it more like that, he'll have more of a positive attitude. But we also, you and I both talked about at the beginning of the year, uh, when everybody was kind of getting on the OBJ train saying that he's a different person, you and I both said, hey, you know, that's great. That's awesome to have a positive attitude about this player. It's great to hand out second chances, but we can't ignore this history. This could fall apart with a couple of struggles. And with the Brown sitting at two and five now, it's starting to rear its head a little bit. Yeah. And you say it's rearing its head and I, I, I'm already very much over it. I'm not saying to get rid of OBJ or he should have been traded at the deadline today or anything like that. But Man, you can't be saying you want targets when you're not catching everything thrown your way. Uh, we've seen it throughout the season. He's had drops, and they've been right in his breadbasket. And I think against the Patriots, you know, it was a big third down, and Baker threw a real nice back shoulder ball, and it put him right where it needed to be. And it wasn't perfect by any means, but you get paid seven oh, digits. Oh, the first drive? You uh, the first drive? No, I think this was later in the game. I can't. I can't remember when, but uh, it was a. It was like a third and seven, and it's just you can't complain to, that you want the ball more when you you aren't catching everything that's thrown your way, especially when it's very catchable and the quarterback puts it only where you can get it. I mean, like I said, you get paid seven digits to catch the football. I don't think he's the issue. I think he's been producing great. I think that he's perfectly fine. I don't think that he beat Gilmore like a drum, like he probably perceives that he did. Uh, but I do think that he did produce. I do think that he he got a chunk. I feel like it, it's... I don't have a problem with how he's producing at all. And I don't have a problem with his frustration. And I don't think it's getting out of hand just yet. And I definitely wouldn't trade him because he definitely is extremely talented. And I do think that we are seeing the benefits of him despite him not showing up in the box score as often as people want to see. Um, I think it's very similar to the impact Olivier Vernon's making on the other side. We see a lot of people upset about Vernon. And I you know, I mentioned it as well. Hey, I thought he'd be showing up in the box score more. Well he's still making an impact. He's still you know he's got a couple double teams here and there. He's doing a great job at containing there are things that don't show up in the stat sheet that show that he is making an impact. The problem with OBJ is that he you know he wants more than that. He does want to be relevant on that stat sheet. So I, I'm not upset with him yet. 
okay? But this is something to monitor for sure. Yeah, I, I think I'm on the other side, so I'm more upset than you are, obviously. I, so I, let, me, I, let me ask you this. Do you think that they should have been shopping him at the deadline? Absolutely not, no. That's not a player you shop, especially for what you gave to gave for him. I mean, if we're going to trade Zeitler and uh, Peppers, which I wasn't so high on Peppers, but if we're trading those two guys for OBJ, OBJ better be a big part of the future. I just wish OBJ would be a little bit more focused on being 100% catching 100% of the balls before asking for more. Um, that's just my opinion on it. And, and, and in regards to the drop, too, I also want to add, I, I disagree. I, I think that the guy makes enough plays that he warrants a drop every now and again. It was wet and slippery. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I know the dude can catch the ball. It's not like a Greg Little situation where I have to wonder when his next catch is going to be. So I, I do sit in the, you know, in a different area of, of, as you. But let me ask you this. So if, if let's say that the Lions call and they offer you a first rounder do you take it do you call it it's today you're two and five playoff chances are looking bleak what do you do uh you're gonna have to sweeten that deal for more than just one first rounder obj still you if i give you two first rounders are you taking it uh, i'd be thinking heavy about it if you're gonna offer me two first rounders and you're the lions because uh, i'm not expecting the lions to finish very uh, high in the next two years um yeah i'd think about it Okay. I don't. I don't think you're in the minority either. Uh, I disagree, but you know, I'm just trying to gauge how frustrated you are. Yeah, is I mean, like I said, two first rounders. I mean, that's that's a. Uh, I would never trade two first rounders for OBJ, but that's that. I mean, if you get those a good return on those, man, that that can turn into something real good for you, especially if you have three first round picks and and two two drafts. I mean, you can't really right, complain. And, I, I mean, and the deadlines the deadlines over. So the the point, you know, I'm just. The point is moot, but I'm just—I was just trying to gauge how frustrated you were that would you start fielding calls? Because t- to me, I hang up on everybody. Right. I'm not trading OBJ. That's how I feel. Yeah, no, and I get that too. I—I I, I think that he is a part of the core moving forward. You know, they didn't have Garrett Baker, uh, Jarvis, and him all up on a press conference, all four of them together for no reason. They feel that those are the four young stars that, that are the core of this team moving forward, and I wouldn't get rid of them either. Um. But speaking of trade deadline, I guess, uh, would you want to move on to a certain Brown who is no longer a Brown? Sure, yeah. So, Gennard Avery, I'm, as I'm sure every Browns fan is aware, Gennard Avery was traded. Okay, he was a fifth rounder drafted last year out of Memphis. Okay, he primarily played linebacker at Memphis. He's a bit of a tweener. Tested out really well at the Combine. A little undersized to play defensive end. A little slow to play linebacker. Um but he tested out really well in the combine. He got drafted in the fifth round. I think he benched 225 over 25 times, if I remember right. He had a pretty solid year last year. Some would say great for the round he was drafted. And I can't remember the exact number of sacks he had. I think it was round six. Uh, and he's played zilch this year. Nada. Not at all. Like three snaps in the entire year. Not even active some of these games. So, I, And a lot of people were frustrated at that towards the beginning of the season as well because, you know, he was such... I I think he was a very he was an upper echelon role player last year last season so I think people expected him to have more of an impact this season. Well, Steve Wilkes obviously has no plans of playing him, so they dished him out. They got a fourth round in return. Personally, I see it as a W. You let's you got a player that you're not playing that you can get a, a higher round than what you drafted him for. Let's do it. That's how I personally see it. Yeah, I, I see it as uh, I see it as a tie. Uh, I'm on both sides of the fence, really. I see it as a win, like you said, in terms of we draft him at the fifth round and we get a fourth rounder out of him. So, hey, you're moving up in terms of just basic stock. So, 
Uh, you can't be too mad about that. What I am angry about is, you know, like you said, he had roughly six sacks last year, and he had several uh, quarterback pressures and hurries. And he, I mean, he made an impact on that team. There's no question. And then for him to get zero chance this year, and then weirdly enough, I, I don't know why he even played in the Patriots game if they were going to end up shopping him. I guess to show that he is active, and there's nothing really wrong with him. I, I think that that's that's exactly the reason why. Yeah, and I mean, even in that game, I mean, he, you saw him giving giving a little bit of pressure on Tom. Brady so uh, it kills me because you know like I said it's almost like an Austin Corbett situation but nowhere near significant because Austin Corbett was drafted so high but at the same time you know they had this young guy who was I mean obviously talented enough to get six sacks so and he had you know enough speed to get to the quarterback so it just seems like a wasted draft pick at this point and who knows what you're going to turn that fourth rounder into I mean to to me once you get past the third round it just gets more risky as to what your return is going to be I just don't know so and and to be more specific, I, I did look it up. Jannard Avery had four and a half sacks last year. Okay, I, I I do think that a lot of people did view him as the next heir apparent to Jamie Collins after Jamie Collins left. Okay, last year's team was a different team than this year's team. Okay, I think the theme for this show needs to be: let's assume that the coaches know more than us. Let's assume that the front office staff knows more than a couple of weirdos that tweet all day. How dare okay? you? <laughs> because that that's what my Twitter feed is just full of, right? And and I, I understand the frustration, especially considering that they just drafted the dude. And he did show he did show bright spots, okay? And I'm I'm with you. I I, I there is a part of me that agrees with every single person that tweeted out their frustration about the trade. Okay. I don't want to be very upfront that I did not like Gennard Avery when we drafted him. I gave him as a, I gave him an undrafted ranking and I gave him, a, I built him as a middle linebacker. Okay. That's how I felt about him. So I do want to be straight about that because I am going to be biased towards getting rid of him. With that said, I do see what he brought to the table last year. This is a different team. They went out, they got Olivier Vernon. They went out, they got Sheldon Richardson. This defensive line is phenomenal and they were great against the Patriots. That was a huge bright spot that we didn't really focus on that we really Really should have talked about more how great that they've been playing week in and week out. I was reading people saying Gennard Avery should have been more of a situational pass rusher. Who are you gonna sub? Who are you gonna sub out for? You gonna sit Miles Garrett on third down? You gonna sit Vernon on third down? No, we don't need him. He's not playing. He doesn't fit the system. I trust Steve Wilkes. I know that there's a lot of animosity towards him because of the struggles that this team has had, and I know that Steve Wilkes was fired as the head coach of the Cardinals. He was there for one year, and he was the head coach, and he was the head coach there because he was a very successful successful defensive coordinator previously. The dude knows what he's doing, and now, and I may I may regret those words. We might be sitting here at the end of the year, very upset with how the defense has been progressing, but I'm not there yet, and I'm going to go ahead and assume that the man that's getting. Paid millions of dollars knows more than me okay so they're taking a guy if anybody's if anybody should be upset at anybody it should be everybody upset with john dorsey for taking a guy in the fifth round and giving up on him after a year that's what they should be upset about drafting some guy that doesn't even fit what you want to do that to me is the most questionable part but i view this as a w the eagles gave up a fourth rounder for a guy we weren't gonna play we were not gonna play him he was never gonna play no matter how bad you fans wanted it and i understand I understand the frustration completely because no one loves Rashard Higgins more than me. No one. I'm telling you, no one's followed Rashard Higgins like me since his days at Colorado State on my college fantasy team, Travis. I'm telling you. <laughs> I get I get the frustration, but let's assume that the men making the big bucks know more than us. Well, let, let's be fair about it, too. You know, there are some, and not to take shots at our own Browns fan base here, but there are some Browns fans who legitimately thought Charlie Fry was the answer, so I'm not going to take... Uh, well, hold on. Now, see, now you're upsetting me. Oh, boy. Okay. 
No one is gonna no one is gonna get on this show and bash the Akron sensation, okay? The man who brought Maction to the state of Ohio and Charlie Fry, okay? So Josh Keatley was obviously the guy <laughs> in the dog pound wearing the Fry costume and it said on the front Charlie Fry's Fries back in the day. That's what we've dude, learned here today. Dude, I'm gonna be honest with you, I really uh, Charlie Fry kinda he got screwed, man. He got he they threw him out there to the wolves, a second round quarterback. Oh no. Dude, I'll I'll say I'll say it's the day I die. We don't really know what Charlie Fry could have been. Uh that dude was overcooked soggy fries. That's what Charlie Fry was. Then, Get out of here. The time, <laughs> then by the time that poor dude made it to Oakland, he was so battered and bruised he didn't know what to do. Uh jeez. I'm I'm not even gonna do this conversation right now. We got Brown stuff to talk about and he's not even in the league. <laughs> hey, but you know what? S- since we're on the conversation to quarterbacks I, this Saturday, I'm going to the Playball Inc. autograph show, okay? And Heisman Trophy winner Eric Crouch is going to be there. And I'm going to get Eric Crouch's autograph. Here's a ch- little trivia question, okay? Do you know, when Eric Crouch played quarterback in the CFL for the Toronto Argonauts, do you know which former Cleveland Brown quarterback started ahead of him? You'll never Spurgeon guess. Wimp. You'll never get. Oh, my God. How'd you, <laughs> how did you guess that? Uh, Spurgeon wins always my go-to guess for any any Browns trivia quarterback oh questions. God. You know what? I'm such an idiot because you, didn't you? We played this game last week and you you said you guessed Spurgeon win that too. Yeah, yeah, dude. Spurgeon win started to get started over Heisman Trophy winner Eric Crouch. Believe uh, it or not. Well, that's what uh all that corn husking will do for you, I guess. That's your uh, Browns fun fact of. The day. Yeah, that wasn't scripted either. That was just a, a shot in the dark. So I obviously a fun I am, tidbit, my friend. Yeah, I am Nostradamus. I, I read that little uh, note when I was uh, in the bathroom on the toilet. And in TMI for today, that is. <laughs> so uh, I guess um, Gennard Avery. Go back to go back to that. He's gone. Um, the Browns didn't make any big time trades. I think it's for the best. Uh, the Redskins kept on. There were reports that the Redskins had been telling teams they have a, a second rounder on the table and they want more. Um, Trent Williams isn't worth more than a second rounder. I don't even think he's worth that, to be quite honest with his age and injury history. I think I'm not sure if you would agree with that. I think you might. That see now that I I completely agree with you. This is another situation where I would honestly I would default. I know that when Trent Williams is playing, when Trent Williams is full 100 healthy, he is one of the best offensive tackles in the game. But I also know that when he was hurt, you could see where he got beat by speed. Um, I think we saw that against the Cowboys late last season. What he brings to the table when he's healthy is worth pretty much whatever they want to give him. But with that said, what hurts me is the fact that he is 31 years old and he has been injured and he hasn't taken a snap all season long. Okay, So that's what kind of affects me. I guess this, this I would default to what Dorsey thinks because Dorsey knows – uh, the, if they if you're gonna make a trade like that, a, a big name trade where you're you're trading high draft picks for a player like that, you better be damn sure that that guy's healthy, that guy's ready to go, and he's making an impact. Because you don't trade for a player like that unless you're planning on making a deep playoff run. Okay, you can't mortgage the future on a off the tackle that's injury prone in his 30s if you don't think that that's gonna be the thing that puts you over the edge. Personally, I don't think the offensive line is that bad. So it doesn't, I, I'm like you, I'm happy that they didn't make any insane moves. Um, but again, I'm just trying to justify both sides of the Trent Williams argument. D- differing from you, I, I'm not so happy with the offensive line, but my thing is, y- you can't tell me we can't find a 
good 21 or 22 year old offensive lineman in the draft that'll last much longer than Trent Williams ever could and will hopefully knock on wood not have the injury issues that he's had so I'll take my chances in the draft I don't need to be sending guys away for him and thank god Thank God, and I'm sure you'll be happy about this as well as I am, that Richard Higgins is still a Brown after the trade deadline. Thank yes. God. Yes, but with that said, it doesn't really ma- matter if they don't use him. No, it doesn't. And uh, it, Freddie Kitchen's comments in the presser about uh, why they're using Antonio Callaway over Richard Higgins is the most frustrating thing in the world. As you know, he, he I'm done with Antonio Callaway. That dude needs to get on the bus and not come back. Callaway had another rough game. Uh, he had a, another. He had a couple other, a couple more penalties. Again, he looked very sloppy. Um, Freddie Kitchens really needs to do better at the press conference thing. Because <laughs> like, yeah. I think that that's making everything worse. Yeah. But uh, moving on. It was just just a final point of the Antonio Cowway thing too. You know that pick play it was the God. It is bad all the way around. There is nothing good that comes of this play. Not only does That's, Antonio Callaway not know the rules in terms of the pick, the coach either he doesn't know or the coaching staff doesn't know to tell him if you got to go out further than a yard, do not put the pick on the dude. And then Freddie Kitchens has the gall to challenge it. What yes, are we doing? That was a bad move. Now that that is that play design there is pretty much what the Patriots live off of. Okay, so I don't have any I don't have any problem with the pick crossers and stuff like that. Uh, it was just sloppy. The way he went about it was sloppy. It was almost yeah. like he was setting a basketball. Uh, pit. It was very obvious. You can't make it obvious. That's the issue. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. Apparently, per the rules, you can if you're within a, if he's within a yard, you can go at him. But he was it's, it's three yards look off. Accidental too. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta like run a route. You can't bump into him. You can't just you know set. You can't set a pick like it's basketball. And that's pretty much what he did. Yeah. So what? So what is it? Is it just Antonio Callaway not knowing the rules and being an idiot, or is it the coaches not knowing the rules and being idiots? Either way, it looks it, bad on can't both. Can't it be both? I mean, it can, but I want it to be. I just want it to be one. I can't. That's that, and that's again. That's the first theme of the show. Let's assume the 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 men in the front office no more. The second theme: who's to blame? (laughs) Yes, who's to blame? Exactly. The men in the front office no more. But yeah, somebody obviously doesn't know enough. It's rough. It's definitely rough. I, I I do want to get on one good bright spot. As you know, I'm a big fan of our Scottish Hammer. He he had a pretty decent game, all things considered. It, it's at this point, it saddens me how often we talk about special teams on this show. Uh, so I also want to give a shout out though. to Justin McCray. Uh, yeah, that's true. Justin McCray uh, had a terrible, 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 terrible PFF score. As you know, I highlighted him as one of my. Uh, my bright spots, the studs, if you will, of the game. Uh, I stand by that. I, I know that Jeff and I briefly, Jeff Risden, our editor, our, our great and faithful leader, we, I know that we kind of discussed it. I think that his PFF grade didn't really truly reflect how he played uh, or the impact that he made, and it didn't really reflect his expectations. I feel like expectations were fairly low. Trying to, We're trying to find other options besides Greg Robinson to see what we can do. Uh, I don't think that his – and when he messes up, I don't think it's devastating. That, that, I think that was the biggest difference. McCray didn't win the day. I'm by no means saying that. Uh, but when Robinson loses, it's pretty noticeable. It's it, You know what I mean? He gets he gets planted a lot. And McCray doesn't really get planted. He gets beat, but he doesn't get planted. And that does say something. And, and did, did McCray, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he didn't have a – I mean, I think he had maybe one or two false starts, but he didn't have any holding penalties. penalties would that be correct? I, I think that's correct. I, I don't I don't have that written down, uh, but that I think that that is right. Um, he's a, he's a pretty good tech he's a pretty good technical player. That's usually how he wins because he's not the greatest athlete. Obviously, as we talked we talked about McCray 
previously on the show because he actually played in the Arena Football League, was an all-pro or all-arena player uh, for now Columbus Destroyers head coach uh, Matt Salt. Gotcha. So, see, God, that's an interesting point, huh? Well, uh, I'm full of fun facts. Yeah, we got we got them all today. Spurgeon win, CFL, XFL. Uh, what, what, other, what other FLs are there? CFL, BFL, AFL. Uh, well, we we actually got a we actually got a, a question about the XFL, but I guess we can we can answer that later. Yeah, no, we'll we'll make people wait. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the Justin McRae thing. I'll tell you just to end on it. You know, it, he he had a, he had two false starts or whatever it was. I'll take the guy who's going to have false starts over the guy who's going to get holding penalties either any day. If the guy's getting holding penalties, he more than likely he's getting beat. If it's a false start, it's easily fixable by just telling somebody to get their head out of the rear end. That is such an interesting point, and I disagree with it a hundred percent. I will fight <laughs> okay. you. So, so listen, listen to this, right? Okay. So I think that false starts indicate a lack of discipline. Okay. Would you say that that's a fair point? That is. A fair point, depending on how you decide to shape it. <laughs> you are you are a hundred percent correct that a holding penalty is a lack of ability to block the person in front of you. That's usually where that comes from. Most correct? The, yeah, most of the time okay. there there are Would obviously you, some dumb boneheaded yes. stuff that happens. But yes. Would you also agree that a lot of holding penalties occur? Even even great offensive linemen hold all the time. They just don't get caught. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but yes and that, and that, that yeah i can agree with that there's holding on every play i mean everybody holds yes yes so to say to say that i would rather have someone that jumps off sides than hold i completely disagree with because i believe that the person that's jumping off side is undisciplined now with that said i do believe that that is probably easier to fix right if you if you're talking about someone who's holding blatantly because they can't beat someone or that they are getting beat uh, a la Eric Flowers, then yeah, that's an issue. If you're getting someone that's just getting hold, getting a lot of holding penalties because uh, you know it's it's uh, it just seems to happen. They're not necessarily getting beat. Then I, I think that there is some leeway there. But again, like you said, false starts that is something extremely correctable. It's 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 super correctable. It'd be silly for me to disagree with that. Yeah, and I mean the thing with the false start too for me, it happens at the beginning before the play even starts. It gets called at a holding play. I mean, good God, it can just destroy team morale. I mean, how many times do you see it where a dude breaks off a just a real nice 35, 40-yard run only for it to be called back for holding? I mean, that is just debilitating. I 100% agree with that point. I just don't, do not agree with the point of I would rather have this over that. Does that make sense? A matter of fact, this is a good segue to one of our, our viewer questions um, from Brad where he asked, about Freddie Kitchens. Why why is Freddie Kitchens not getting enough blame? Well, first of all, I disagree with that because I feel like every time I get on Twitter, someone's trying to fire Freddie Kitchens. Would is that is that what you're seeing? No, that's not only what I'm seeing, but like the types of mistakes Freddie had uh, just this last weekend. I mean, people not only were hammering him calling for his job. I mean, you even saw me in in the uh in the um chat that we have in terms of you know the browns wire saying overreaction or underreaction freddie kitchens may be on the hot seat after this game yeah so i feel like there is a lot of talk about freddie kitchens being fired right and you're and you're feeling the same way yeah Uh, you know brad also mentioned that he he views the team as undisciplined okay and a lot of people use this as a very common thing that you see floating around twitter penalties the amount of penalties is indicative of the lack of discipline with the NFL, with your team. I 100% agree with that statement, and apparently you do too as well, right? For the most part, correct, yes. 
Okay. So the NFL leader in penalties is the Cleveland Browns. They have 70 penalties. Okay. So that, that's a good point. That's a good point. And a lot of that, I believe, does fall on uh, kitchens. With that said, 16 of those are false starts. Okay. So that's second in the NFL. I believe the first is the Houston Texans. Okay. So that's still not good. I'm not making excuses for them. But I think that when I'm evaluating whether a player's disciplined or whether a team is disciplined, I'm looking more, I'm trying to dissect not necessarily. I'm not looking at penalties as a whole, right? I'm looking at the specific penalties. Okay, what are what what are these that are discipline-like penalties? So to me, a false start is a lack of discipline penalties. But I'm not. I'm I'm throwing away holds, pass interferences, all of that. So it, that would be a legitimate argument: is that hey, we're second in the league in, in uh, false starts. That's a lack of discipline. Freddie Kitchens blows. I completely get that train of thought. Yeah, no, I I get it as well. I mean, there, God, just the more I think about it, you know, the more the, the Browns have had a serious problem. Not only just with you know, you talk about your discipline penalties in terms of false starts, but I mean, I I, I, I just want to bring up special teams. I mean, the Darius Taylor, you know, it, it, we went to a commercial break, so we didn't get to even see the call, but there was a block in the back by Darius Taylor. The dude was nowhere near the zip code of the yeah, return, and he pulled. The yeah, he pulled that, and it's just if Freddie Kitchens does deserve some of the blame for this. At the same time, he can't go out there and and make these players do specific things. I mean, that play was on the all twenty-two, by the way. And Darius Taylor was on the opposite side of the field on a return, and he just shoved the dude in his back for no reason at all. Yeah, and it's it's plays like that. Like, I mean. Granted, yeah, that's horrible discipline. What are you doing? But I can't fault that on Freddie Kitchens. That dude needs to just be not on the field for special teams. How dumb are you? You like, What are you doing? You don't think the refs are going to see that? You're not helping the team. At this point, you're better off just doing the thing where you put your hands out at your sides and just kind of walking in front of the guy. And and, and I think, and I don't want to say that Freddie is completely absolved of that. And I'm going to be honest with you. When I looked up that stat, the penalty stat, I kind of knew it was coming, right? I knew that the Browns were going to be the, the, in the top three. I didn't know they were going to be the number one. I kind of, I felt like they might be, but I didn't, I wasn't 100% sure. Uh, and when I isolated, I was really hoping to see that, hey, you know, a lot of these aren't discipline like penalties. I was wrong. I was, they are, they, you know, they're number two in the NFL in false starts, which I view as a completely disciplined type of penalty so i was wrong there i do believe that freddie has some issues with that said the expectations on freddie and as literally as i'm speaking we got another uh listener question about if <laughs> the question is if does freddie have to make the playoffs to keep his job I, I don't think that that's the case i don't think you can hire a rookie head coach and not be aware of the struggles that he's gonna have um i do think that they should win nine games i do think that they should be in the playoffs i do think that they should win the afc north but i don't think that you can you can play so i don't think that you can be devastated if that doesn't occur with a rookie head coach am i wrong uh I, i'm gonna say in this case uh it depends <laughs> if if freddie kitchens continues to make the just backwards mistakes that he made in terms of challenges and just saying the wrong things in press conferences and, and really just making a fool out of himself like he did this week. If he continues that and then doesn't make the playoffs, I think he might be coaching for his job. If he cleans everything up and the Browns just un have unfortunate circumstances where they just fail to make the playoffs. I mean, I said at the beginning, and I am, I've talked about it with you before, it, it, with a rookie head coach like Kitchens, he kind of gets a pass on his first year. You know, he's still figuring it out himself. He's a rookie head coach. What do you want? But if you're out here making these mistakes like ch the challenges – 
that he's he called and just the very I mean it's just horrible clock management that he he has been doing. Uh, I can see him you know not being back next year. That being said, I don't I I just it's hard to know what John Dorsey and Jimmy Haslam will actually do. And I'm not I'm not let, let me ask you this: What would you do? Well, let, let's say that he sucks the rest of the year. Let's say that he wins no more games or I mean they only got two wins. So let's say that he only gets. Three more wins the rest of the year. What do you do if you're the if you're the owner? What do you do? See, if I'm the owner, if he only gets three more wins, it, again, it depends. Like if he only gets three more wins and he keeps on making these boneheaded mistakes that he's been making, then I'm gonna have a serious conversation and say, okay, did he lose the locker room or, or not? Because the only reason I'm keeping him around at that point is he kept the locker room and he's a rookie coach. If he loses the locker room and it, that's very possible with the egos that are in that locker room, then he's got to go. But I if if he keeps the locker room and it's just he, he's not making the stupid mistakes it's just the browns get beat by better teams yeah i'm gonna keep him i feel like that's a fair response uh i, I you know it's hard to get because you're right you, you hired him because he does have the trust of the player specifically baker mayfield so if he doesn't have that anymore he does kind of lose his luster with that say if that, with that said wow it would have to be pretty wild for him to lose that in one year um i for one wouldn't fire him let's just i'm gonna go ahead and assume that everything is the way it is now our record just blows right instead of two and five or four and twelve um i'm you know i'm still gonna bring him back because like i said he is a rookie head coach i don't think that you can i don't think you can hire a head coach and expect him to win the Super Bowl immediately. I think that that is completely and utterly unfair. A lot like what what they did with Deshaun Kaiser. I feel like he got kind of shafted in this whole thing too because they drafted him and they and Hugh Jackson said over and over again they weren't going to throw him out there. They throw him out there and then that's what you get. Uh, I think that the expectations were a little too high and he's in over his head because he's a rookie head coach. I believe that he can turn it around. Uh, and again, I want to reiterate, I was not for hiring him. I was against that. I, I don't really know. It's just it, it's really difficult. It, the Browns have a lot of soul searching to do if they somehow crap the the bed the rest of the season. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, really, we haven't even talked about the game that's coming up. I don't think we really have to talk about it too much. It's pretty obvious. Everything that we've talked about is what they have to fix to win. This is actually a good game to talk about because this should be a win. If this isn't a win, there's an issue. There's, I mean, this is aspirate. The Patriots loss, I think that we're both upset about. But dude, if they lose the Broncos, oh, ooh, it's gonna be, a, it's gonna be an awkward Tuesday. Yeah, that's that. That one's very rough because the Broncos are, um, they're bad, and Joe Flacco's not gonna be playing. That defense is good. I love how we say they're bad, but they're two and six. Okay, look, so the Browns are two and five, and they're two and five against the spread. Do you know what the, the Broncos are two and six? Do you know what they are against the spread? Mm. They're four and four. They're meeting expectations. Okay, so even though we're saying that they suck, they have the same record as the Browns, and they're actually meeting expectations far more than the Browns. And before Joe Flacco was placed on IR, they were favored. They were favored by a whole point, right? Because now the Browns are favored by three, correct? Right. Right, because it, it, it just got released. To, it, the, the line got re-released today. When it opened up on Sunday, the uh, Broncos were a one-point favorite. Joe Flacco's on IR. They're going to be starting Brandon Allen, who is, this will actually he has not taken an NFL snap. I don't know if anybody's familiar with Brandon Allen, but I think he was a fifth-round draft pick by the Jacksonville Jaguars out of at Arkansas. He's not terrible. Okay, he's not he's not terrible. He's not going to be. He should not be a liability. He's okay. He's not good. It should definitely. I mean, I think a four point swing in Vegas's eyes is probably pretty accurate. Um, maybe a little exaggerating, but it's probably fairly accurate. Uh, but with that said, 
we should be a quarterback that's never taken a snap. Yeah, no, it, it's one of those things where you know you say that we're we got. The, I mean, we pretty much have the same record as the Broncos right now. But to me, the Browns have much more potential. I mean, I didn't think the Broncos were the Broncos' defense is good. Don't get me wrong, Bob Miller is a beast. Don't get me wrong, but you're not going anywhere with Captain Checkdown and Joe Flacco as your quarterback. God, I love that he gets called Joe, Captain Checkdown, even though he has one of the biggest arms in the NFL. I don't think that he was even the issue with the Broncos. I think that they, they're the I kind of agree with him with the play calling's been a little stale. They don't there's not a whole lot of talent around him either. But with that said, I I, I totally get what you mean. With, with yeah. Joe with Joe Flacco playing, I still thought we were gonna win. Now you got Brandon Allen who's even worse. I completely on board with you. Yeah, no, if the, if the Browns lose this week, then I mean to me, you may as well throw the season in the dumpster. I mean, you can't lose here's here's the difference between like what the Browns are doing and I'll just go ahead and bring up the Ravens because they're first in the division. The Browns are losing games that they shouldn't lose and they're losing games they should lose. Whereas the Ravens are winning some games they shouldn't lose and they're winning games they should win. Um I feel like that's fair. You 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 can if you win the games you're supposed to win, then you can make it uh, the Browns are good. I, I get what you're saying. The Browns are extremely talented. When you look at the roster up and down, let's use let's use Madden as an example, okay? Or I hate Madden, so let's use uh, 2K. <laughs> the Browns would ha- the Browns would be a top eight NFL team. So that dictates if they win the game they're supposed to win, then they'll be fine. But you're like you're saying they're losing games that they're not supposed to lose, right? Um, the Titans, I guess the Titans really sticks out in my mind. Honestly, but if you really do break down the schedule even further, I mean, you talk about the Patriots, the Niners, the Rams. I, a lot of those teams are a lot better than we thought they were going to be, the Niners in particular. So I think that that does help too. That is true, but at the same I'll use the Rams as the example. That's a game where the Rams are a Super Bowl contender and a game that, you know, you look at the Browns, the Browns shouldn't win. But the Browns are right there and they could have won. And that's one of those games where it's like, hey, you need to win one or two games that you're not supposed to. That was prime opportunity to do it and they failed so so how confident so how confident are you in that the browns are going to win this bronc the game against the broncos this Sunday uh, at one o'clock nine ninety five percent ninety five percent yeah it, it's hard not to be because oh you, you talk it, it's almost to me it's like the don't get me wrong i'm not putting the broncos on the same level as the jets by any means but the Broncos are putting that fr- like the Broncos quarterback situation in my opinion is much worse than what the Jets quarterback situation was when we played them. Trevor Simeon at least had started and won a few NFL games. This dude hasn't started an NFL game yet and he's going to be staring down Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, Sheldon hasn't taken a snap. He hasn't yeah. taken an NFL snap. Yeah. So it, 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 like Baker said during training camp his first year, you know, the game is a lot faster in the NFL and it hasn't it, it was starting to slow down for him during training camp. This dude is about to experience NFL speed for the first time time in a game situation against one of the best defensive ends in the league and let me let me preface that too a lot of people are probably listening to this thinking that brandon allen's a rookie he got drafted in 2016 okay so he has i think it was 2016 2016 or 2015 so he's been in the league he's i think this is actually even his third team he just hasn't seen any actual live game regular season action so I do want to be clear about that. And he's going to be facing a Browns team that is, I mean, God help us if they're not, but should be hungry 
very hungry to win this game and to get back on track. Yes, and, I, and I'm not worried about our defense at all. Our, our, our and our defense didn't play great last week. I know we I touted on the defensive line. Our defense has its warts too, so I definitely don't want to act like the defense is perfect. Uh, but the defense should feast against this offense. The Broncos they don't have the best defense either, right? So our offense should do fairly well too. The most concerning part, like you mentioned, Von Miller, uh, he's got 63 sacks in the last five years. I believe that leads leads all. Everybody in the NFL. Uh, the other linebackers are pretty good too. A lot of underrated guys. I, I hate Malik Reed. This is I have a, I have a buddy that loves loves him some Malik Reed after he had a very successful. I think it was an NFL PA bowl uh, went undrafted, but he's replacing Chubb on the other side because Chubb got an ACL tear. He's filling in rather nicely. Uh, Alexander Johnson and Todd Davis are both on the inside. Alexander Johnson had a big game against the Colts with eight tackles, so he flows the ball really well. And Todd Davis, I know he's coming off an eight, uh, another knee injury, uh, but he's also a guy that's flowing really well. These guys all kind of uh, they play better than the expected, what you would expect from undrafted free agents. So yeah, there you have it. It's 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 a situation where, you know, uh, hopefully they are who we think they are. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I do want to check this out too. It, it should be known that despite the positivity around Cleveland, the, despite the fact that they are favorites and everybody expects them to win, uh, and I don't know about you, but I expect them to win big. Cleveland is one and four their last five games. They're one and ten their last eleven games against Denver, and they're four and sixteen their last twenty games on the road. Okay, those aren't great statistics. So keep but their their current streak is one win. (laughs) Yeah, and like one out of ten, that that, you're you're saying there's a chance, baby. You're saying there's a chance. (laughs) So Uh, there's that. All right. Um. Let's see. Do you want to move on to bets, or do you want to get the other question? And I'll, I'll leave it up to you. Let's go ahead and move on to bets. We're going to skip the scouting portion this week because Ohio State's on a bye week and Cincinnati's playing the East Carolina team with only a couple guys to really pay attention to that are kind of fringe guys anyway. So let's move on to bets and we'll answer some of your questions that I got written down here. Yeah, so let's uh, let's get the bets out quick tonight because I know we're running long already. Um, oh, yeah, I apologize. That's mostly my fault. That's that's no big deal. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. So uh, last week... Um, Last week, I think somebody went pretty bad, had a pretty bad time in terms of the best. Um, but I had a pretty good time, so uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and lead off. Um, so on Thursday night, San Francisco takes on Arizona. San Francisco is favored by, I, I guess you would consider it a whopping 10 points. Um, I don't consider that whopping because uh, the 49ers appear to be for real, and Nick Bosa is, dude... <laughs> That that dude is crazy, and I think they cover that spread. I think that's a great pick. I also picked San Francisco, not in my top three, but I did place money on them. Uh, I got them at ten points. My first game, I, I for reference, too, I went one and two last week, people. So I want to be very honest and open with everybody. That was my first week losing in a long time, and I think that's because Travis put some kind of gypsy curse on me. But whatever. Uh, so nerd. <laughs> so my first game, I took Washington, getting ten points from Buffalo. Washington actually busted up i bet against washington last week against the minnesota vikings washington's defense held up very well they're one and seven overall but they are three and five against the spread uh buffalo is two and five against the spread at home give me the points all right so uh you know i was gonna take that my second game um i was gonna take miami uh you know preventing new york from covering the spread but then on Monday night, they ran cover zero and a third and twenty or whatever the heck it was, and I just I just can't get on board with that. I think the Jets will cover their three point spread over the Dolphins, even even though you know how much I dislike and hate Sam Darnold. 
uh, I think they cover three points rather easily. I would agree with that as well. I think that the Jets will cover that. The Jets, you know, it's funny. We talked about the Jets, the Broncos, and how the Broncos, you, you said that the Broncos were better than the Jets. I completely disagree. I think that the Jets have a ton of talent. I will keep saying it until the day that I die. Sam Darnold, Le'Veon Bell, you got speed on the outside with Robbie Anderson. But whatever, I, that's not my top three. Uh, another thing, too, the cover zero, I know they're getting a lot of play, but that play works all the time in NFL Blitz, my friend, all the time. But moving on, Chicago's playing Philadelphia. Philadelphia's a five-point favorite. I'm going to take Philadelphia again. That was my only lone win of the top three last week. Philadelphia smashed Buffalo's a good team. Chicago's even worse. I'll lay the five points. Chicago's 2-6 and six against the spread, and they're going to be 2-7. and seven. Ooh. See, yeah, Chicago. I got, a, I got a buddy who's a big Chicago fan, and I, I feel real bad for him. He's been very disappointed with his team and his quarterback so you can tell uh, him to suck it because josh is betting against him this week yeah okay that's just not fun <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't need to ruin the relationship with the guy jesus all right so uh my last game uh cleveland plays denver as we all know and cleveland is currently favored by three and a half screw that cleveland's gonna win by 45 let's go cleveland's gonna cover that spread and then some my god Mike, you know, I like that game too. I really, 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 really tried to get the money in early before the Joe Flacco injury. Uh, but uh, for some reason, you know, I-, I had question marks about it when Cleveland was getting points. Uh, so I kind of waited to see how the spread would work, and that ended up just completely backfiring. I will be hitting that later. Uh, I feel very confident in Cleveland, so I completely agree with you. With that said, that's not my third game. My third game, Tennessee getting three and a half points from Carolina. I'm laying the points. I'm going with Carolina. Tennessee is five and 13. Uh, or I'm. Yeah, five and thirteen against the spread in November. I, I'm Carolina all day, baby. They are yeah, four and three one. and four three against the spread this week. This yeah, week I, I, I'm not going to disagree with that one at all. That's yeah, that's a pretty good one. The, all right, the key to Kyle Allen, the key, the key to the Panthers though is Kyle Allen's tiny hands have to hang on to the ball. Yeah, he's a uh, what? What did he measure in at? Two inches. His his hands are almost my size. They're almost smaller than mine. I have uh, really tiny hands. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know that. Uh, Josh will not be getting the Whopper or the Big Mac when he goes out to no lunch at McDonald's or Burger King. No, no, he will be getting a uh, junior cheeseburger. That's right. All right. Uh, so I know we got at least one, uh, maybe two more questions, depending on uh, how lucky our viewers are and fans, because <clears throat> we have so many. Well, there's, there's only two more questions. Uh, I want to start out with the XFL question. Someone asked about the St. Louis Battlehawks, okay? Ask where do I see that? Where do we see them being? What's our predictions for the St. Louis Battlehawks in this XFL season? I think that they asked about the St. Louis Battlehawks because they were being sarcastic. But what they didn't know was that Broby is the quarterback for the St. Louis Battlehawks in the quarterback cha- the quarterback competition to watch preseason XFL wise is Jordan Tayamu, who is the former quarterback from Arizona, who's very raw and did not get de- uh, drafted because of those raw talents. And Brogan Roback. Both those guys are very young. With successful seasons, they should get additional shots in the NFL. Uh, wide receivers, they got Demore uh, Pearson. Demore Pearson L. A lot of you guys will remember him from Nebraska. Very effective, very fast. And Ish Hyman, another former Brown. Uh, and then a running back, former starting running back, Christine Michael. A lot of guys will remember him because he started pretty much for every team in the NFL. And there are still people that tout his name today as a you know someone who is worth starting another guy that i really like that st louis has is west saxton a lot of people remember him as the tight end from south alabama uh the sunbelt conference had a string of tight ends that were pretty successful in the nfl rob house started at ford atlantic um ladarius green i leo lafayette who ended up having his back hurt against the steelers never heard from again uh and now you got west saxton in south alabama 
it, I, he didn't really get much of a shot in the NFL. I'm hoping that the XFL changes that. So what that listener did not expect was that Josh is very, very, very into the XFL. What they didn't expect is I'm not, so I have nothing to say other than uh, that the Battle Hawks will win, win a few games and they will lose a few games. Well, you know about Broby. You're extremely excited about Broby. Oh, we yeah, no, I can't. I can't. See, I, see, I can't be excited about Broby, Broby anymore because the NFL has turned their back on him and I find it to be disgusting. Um, it that is dude, disgusting. That, that, dude should, that dude should be backing up Gardner Minshew. Let's just be honest. That would be the ultimate quarterback room. Do you know who the wide receivers coach is for the St. Louis Battle Hawks, by the way? Um, Webster Slaughter. God, I wish. That'd be dope. Former Rams great Azir Hakeem. So I thought that that was interesting. A little fun fact. Another fun fact because I'm full of them, bro. Dude, you gotta you gotta keep them to the Brown stuff though. I'm not gonna. I'm only gonna guess Brown's things. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's that's fair. That's fair. The next question is completely unrelated to the Browns, but is related to the New England Patriots. What is the over under on Tom Brady kissing his son? Do you, do you think well, how old is Tom Brady going to be when he stops kissing his son, or how old is his son going to be? Tom Brady will be doing TB twelve his entire life. So when his son is dead in his casket, Tom Brady will be there at his son's funeral, still kissing that boy. So there's a couple things there I want to break down. So are you saying that TB twelve is a cult, like Scientology? Um, no, no, not a cult. I'm just saying that it will sustain Tom Brady to live well into his two hundreds. I think that it is a cult, and I think that you are right, and I think that he will eventually sacrifice his child for eternal life. Um, so I do. That is not what I, I said. I, 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 that's exactly what I'm saying. I do think that that the time will eventually come. That's why he open mouth kisses his son at least 45 times a day. Oh my God! He steals his soul. He will exactly slowly but surely. Tom Brady will steal the soul of his son until he has eternal life. Jesus, that's. Is okay, that how we're going to end the show? That's breaking news, so yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's how we're going to end the show, huh? Put put it on Reddit R Conspiracy or whatever other dude, Reddit I, R I'll aliens. Stand, I stand by it, dude. Yeah, okay. I, 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 do you just wanna, yeah, we're going to close with that, and I'm not even going to say anything else. <laughs> All right. Remember to hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Josh Keatley 16 Travis? I am at Travis underscore Rogers 4, and do not let your children go to Tom Brady's house. That's right. He'll suck their soul out. We're gathered here today to join Mike and Jill in holy matrimony. So they may file jointly this tax season. And you are? April from Tax Act, the tax filing software with the expert guidance to help you file for less and get more. Works for me. So, Mike, do you take this woman to love, honor, and get her a maximum refund? I do. Jill? Ditto. I now pronounce you married, filing jointly. I always cry at filing status updates. Tax Act. Switch to Tax Act today and start for free. See TaxAct.com for details.